Welcome to your New Hampshire National Guard podcast. We are always ready, always there. This podcast series is a production of the State Public Affairs Office. Hello, I'm Tech Sergeant Charles Johnston with New Hampshire National Guard Public Affairs. I'm joined today by Major Brendan LaBelle, the New Hampshire National Guard TAG Executive Officer, and Captain Mario Ray, the Assistant Operations Officer for 3rd Battalion. Hey, guys. Hello. And welcome, gentlemen. And you are the organization's two newest Rangers. Major LaBelle, we'll start with you. What is Ranger School? So we're, we're both Ranger qualified, uh, having come home in 2020. And um, Ranger School is a small unit, small unit tactical leadership course. It is um, almost the definitive leadership course in the military's point of view. It's a 62-day course at the active component. If you're National Guard, you generally go through a, a pre-ranger program that's going to add another 14 to 15 days on top of that. But truth be told, and Mario sitting across from me was one of the guys that was able to make it through in the in the 75 days. Most people, about 80%, it takes uh, quite a bit longer because you get recycled and um, and you have to redo phases and things of that nature to make it through. And what are some of these phases? What what does some of the training consist of? So, Ranger School, you 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 go through your pre Ranger, and in the state, what we do is we have a Ranger assessment, which is a twenty four hour period. It's very physically and mentally intense to essentially create a tryout for who may be successful at Ranger School. So you make it through a twenty four hour period, then you go down to pre Ranger two weeks. Then if you make it through that, then you actually go to ranger school. What is ranger school? Ranger school has four different phases. It's commonly referred to as three, but there's really four. So the first phase is wrap week. And that's a very physically intensive week where you do all of your physical fitness testing, getting smoked uh, perpetually throughout the entire wrap week. And um, then you have a ruck march, land nav, and more getting smoked. And then if you make it through all of that, then you move forward to uh, Benning phase, which is really Camp Darby, right? Yeah. And, and then uh, you go out and you do some patrolling and some small squad level tactics out in the, uh, out in at Camp Darby and some obstacle courses. And uh, then if you make it through all that, you go to the mountains in Dahlonega, Georgia. You spend about three weeks out there. That's probably the most physically intensive phase just carrying a lot of weight up steep elevations. And uh, if you make it through all that, then you go down to Florida or swamp phase. And that is, uh, it's down in the in the sands of Florida and the swamps of Florida. And you have some Zodiac boats built in there. And uh, mountain and Florida phase are all around platoon tactics, whereas Benning phase or Camp Darby phase is squad level tactics. Yeah, so as you progress throughout Ranger School, everything kind of just builds on itself and builds in complex complexity. Um, first of all, Sergeant Johnson, thanks for having us. I uh, I decided when I graduated Ranger School, I was going to try not to uh, think about it too much, but here we are reliving it. So thanks. Um, but yeah, everything 
your journey through Ranger School just really uh, builds and develops on itself. So it, at Rap Week, you're really doing that Army Warrior task type training, basic soldiering skills. Um, and then you build into section level training, squad level training. And then hopefully by the time you're in Florida, um, you're you're working as a cohesive platoon, um, actually operating and, and producing, you know, good results. And the other part of your question implied, I think, is, so what is Ranger School? I think the, the bigger implication there is why Ranger School? And for the military in general, they call it a leadership school because it really gives you the ability as a leader to understand what people, including yourself, are capable of. And you can see through Ranger School, after you're done, you can see objectively looking at your own experience, the walls that you're able to hit that you think you, prior to that experience, wouldn't have been able to move past. But then you're down there and you have no other option but to move past them or, you know, settle for the inner desire for comfort and uh, also known as quitting. And if you want to make it through, there's no quitting. So the why is you, you understand as a leader what, what your soldiers are capable of and how, uh, you know, how successful you can be when you have that understanding of what you can push people to in terms of their limits and their actual limits of when this body cannot do something anymore. I spoke to you both right after you graduated. And, I mean, this, is, uh, this school is considered to be one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, school in the military. And you both have stories about some trials and tribulations. Captain Ray, I remember you talking about the mountains in particular and how tough that was for you. Yeah, I think, I mean, everyone has their own experience through Ranger School. Um, but for me specifically, um, it everything started to really pick up pace and difficulty at mountain school when we got into the mountains. Um, that's when the sleep deprivation and for me, food deprivation really started to set in and, and make things a lot really uncomfortable. And, and people talk about um, how difficult ranger school is and is definitely difficult school. But um, for me, academic, like the academics and the education piece of it wasn't so difficult. It was really just an uncomfortable school. It was long and uncomfortable. And um, a common phrase is there's two types of rangers. There's a sleepy ranger and hungry ranger. And uh, for me, it was definitely a, I was a hungry ranger. You lose a lot of weight over the course of the school. How much weight did you lose? I lost about, um, I fluctuated weight, um, but at my lowest, I'd probably lost 30 pounds. What about you, Major? Yeah, I'd lost 35 pounds at my lowest. I was down to my sophomore year of high school weight, which I hadn't <laughs> seen in a couple of decades. So it, that was ma fun. Major, you were telling me about climbing the mountains, and it's not just an individual achievement. It's a unit achievement. I remember you telling me you all have to pick each other up and keep each other motivated. And uh, I remember, you know, for example, you, you took a teammate's uh, – crew served weapon at some point because he was having a problem with that. How big of an aspect of teamwork is involved in this, or is it more just an individual accomplishment? Definitely not an individual accomplishment. Uh, the other kind of colloquial saying at Ranger School is you don't earn your tab, you earn the tab of the, 
the ranger candidate next to you, which is completely true. The story that you're alluding to, it's a buddy of mine who was actually down in the 82nd Airborne, and in fairness to him, I wasn't, like, taking his weapon because he couldn't do it anymore. We were at the end of uh, a lane day, so it was the end of the, the night, and he had just said, who's going to carry the 240 tomorrow, or the, the, the saw tomorrow, the 249, rather, excuse me. And um, I had been marching with him. He was my ranger buddy that day. And uh, I just remember the look of pain <laughs> on his face. The saw is probably the worst the worst weapon in terms of pain because you carry the entire ammo load on your uh, flick. And that adds a good 30 to 40 pounds just really hanging off your neck and cutting into your shoulders. And uh, this is a big, big guy who's, you know, very strong and uh, just to see the pain on his face. But at the end of the day, he's like, who's taking the saw tomorrow? And everyone in my squad is just like, no one's raising their hand or volunteering. (laughs) And I'm just like, all right, bro, I'll take it. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, the fatal error for me was I was kind of a novice and I'd been out of the the infantryman game for a while, even at that point, even though I'm in my second phase of ranger school. So I didn't know that I had to put all the ammo on my flick (laughs) and a ranger instructor saw me the next day and I had, I had stored, you know, probably 60% of the ammo in my ruck. And he just looked at me and he said, ranger, where's all your ammo? And I said, Oh, it's, it's in my ruck. And he's like, you have five minutes to get that on your flick ranger that's going to be a negative spot report. So I, uh, in, in my haste, I just tied it with 550 cord. So it was extra painful for me because now we're on these operations and I've got literally like 40 or, you know, 20, 25 pounds of ammo hanging off my neck. Like I'm like, I'm a Christmas tree, just like jumping around. And it was just, oh, it was the worst day. That was the worst day for me physically. 10 miles, multiple IDF incidents it was just it was just painful for people who don't know an F, uh, flick is a fighting load carrier or, or a, a load bearing vest oh, major you also had a, a an encounter with wildlife uh, while you were out there yeah so that was also in the mountains as as mario was saying earlier the mountains are they're tough the mountains yeah. are tough and, and what's ironic about the mountains is we come from new hampshire so we're pretty accustomed to, you know, our mountains, the White Mountains, and and we tried to condition ourselves beforehand, you know, working out, rucking, um, doing land nav in our environment. And going into this, I was thinking, what kind of what kind of mountains does Georgia have? Like, honestly, um, believe it or not, they have mountains. And and they're, they're, they're savage. They're <laughs> <laughs> very steep. Yeah. You know? You uh, you got bit by something while you were out there. I did. I did. So while we were in the mountains and my platoon and I were doing a rehearsal prior to stepping off on our FTX, it was a day or two prior, uh, I jumped down into a pile of wood chips for seeking uh, concealment behind a tree and then and cover behind a tree, but it was also wood chips for concealment. And uh, I, my, my, like the right side of my right hand went numb. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Your hand doesn't normally go numb like that. And I looked and I had this big, uh, like, sting. So, and I'm looking down and and there's just a couple little scorpions running around on the ground. And I was like, oh, that's that's great. That's unfortunate. Just got stunned by a scorpion. (laughs) I remember us all talking when uh, when you first got back about 
what you can bring back to your units. Uh, Captain Ray, can you speak to that? Um, yeah. I mean, I, again, it's such a individual experience. It really depends on who you are, what kind of position you, you're in, where you are in your in your leadership development or your career. Um, but for for me specifically, um, some of the things I brought back was, A, just a profound confidence in my basic soldiering skills. Um, it's been a while, you know, since we've, since we've done some of that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, having the 249, 240 in your hand doing, you know, just basic patrolling, um, was great. What about you, Major? What did you bring back, uh, from school for your unit? So I think it, it, it really is about that getting back to your basic for, for, officers that go that are captains and heaven forbid you happen to be a major when you go down like I was, but, um, it's about getting back down to the soldier skills and getting back in the trenches with the troops and really having that inspiration to go out and push yourself past your limits and having an understanding of what your soldiers and yourself are capable of accomplishing in some austere environments. And then the other thing is it's a very humbling experience. So for anyone, you know, you, you really have to serve at Ranger School. And so you get a solid, healthy dose of servant leadership, which is really important for, at least in my opinion, to become a good leader. You have to know what it's like to serve and to serve your soldiers and the people that ultimately are executing your charge and your orders, especially in a situation such as combat. You know, you have to have an understanding of that and just being able to understand and have that humility of going through something like Ranger School, I think is so important for anyone that really values their career as a leader because it really does change you, um, you know, and, and it was humbling for me. So I think the biggest thing for me where I was, was again, it was getting back down to the soldier level and getting that fresh inspiration of doing something really difficult and challenging yourself. But then more importantly, it was that servant leadership. It was learning how to serve, not necessarily learning for everyone, but really, really embracing that to make it through. Because ultimately, it comes down to you and your team and your squad, and that's how you earn your tab. So you do have to become a servant leader. And I think that's really something uh, that's quite remarkable about that opportunity specifically. There's a quote that one of you referred to me, and I've read it on my own, uh, about s someone who's been through the school and had a dream. And uh, can you tell me what the quote is about and, and who said it? Yeah, so it was a colonel, it was a colonel in Vietnam uh, they used it actually at Benning, um, and I forget the, the – he'll have to forgive me, but I forget exactly which colonel it was. But uh, there was a newspaper reporter that was interviewing him, and um, something to the effect of he woke up. He said, yeah, I woke up last night in a cold sweat. I thought I was back at ranger school, but then I realized I was in Vietnam. Combat's not so bad. <laughs> That sums it up pretty much right there. So we have a ranger assessment in the spring, and we've had them in the past. Uh, that's going to be to determine who is eligible to attend ranger school in the future. What can soldiers or airmen who aspire to go to ranger school expect at this assessment, and how do they prepare for it? So the the assessment, it's a 24-hour it's a assessment, essentially, 
And what they can expect is you're going to come out. It's going to be on a weekend that there's probably a lot of cool stuff going on intentionally because we want to see that you're willing to make the sacrifice to put yourself forward for the opportunity because it is for National Guard soldiers, it is a rare opportunity. And you're going to come out, you're going to go through a basic rundown of equipment, you're going to have a packing list, we're going to go through that packing list uh, very, very detailed. The big part of Ranger School is attention to detail. After the packing list, you're going to load up on buses or helicopters, you're going to fly to a location, you're going to land, you're going to stage your gear, you're going to do a ranger physical fitness test. As of right now, the ranger physics physical fitness test is two minutes of push-ups, sit-ups, a five-mile run, and six perfect pull-ups. Uh, pull-ups are palms facing in. You're going to, the push-ups are the most intense push-ups you've ever done. You got to do 49 in two minutes. It's uh, chest to the ground, locked out, pause on both sides of that. Uh, you really don't have much room to do probably more than 55 to 60 if you're doing them to the ranger standard in two minutes. You have to do 59 of sit-ups. Again, most perfect, flawless sit-ups you've ever done. Then you got to run five miles in under 40 minutes. And then you're going to get back and you're going to do six pull-ups where you go completely locked out at a dead hang, no swinging or very minimal, like no swing or swinging at all. Ranger instructor at ranger school will literally stand probably 12 inches in front of you. And if you touch them, they will not count that pull-up. You're going to go up, chin over the bar hold it for a second, come back down, and you're going to do that, and you got to get six of those. After the RPFT, then you go into combat water survival test. Uh, it's our version of a combat water survival test. It's not necessarily the Army combat water survival test, but it's basically a, a long swim in a lake, pond, or pool with your uniform on and your boots on and um, you know a couple other activities like don and ditch your equipment, things of that nature. It's really just to make sure that you're not scared of the water and that you have some basic level of swimming capability. And then after that, you're going to get ready for maybe some patrolling at night, but most likely uh, land nav. Uh, you'll have a session where you talk to some of the guys that have made it through ranger school and you can ask questions about that. And then you get up super early, do uh, night into day land nav. And uh, you get, everything is modeled just like that wrap week of ranger school. But the reason our assessment is so good, just kind of pausing for a second, is we squeeze basically all of wrap week minus the extreme smoking that ranger instructors will do to you at wrap week. We squeeze all of that into basically one 24-hour period. So after you get done land nav, then you're going to do a 12-mile ruck uh, with your packing list and the weight on that, you know, dry is probably 50 to 55 pounds, dry meaning without water. Then you add in your water as well, so you're probably easily at 60 pounds or, or more. And that that's the ranger assessment. And if you pass everything, I think it's safe to say you're probably going to get a chance to go to ranger school. What's interesting, though, in trying to prepare for that assessment, I remember going to one of these, and a couple of our most fit soldiers didn't pass because of the strict standards you spoke of with the push-ups and the sit-ups. If I remember correctly, we had a drill sergeant who didn't make it through, who is one of the most fit soldiers in, in the National Guard. Uh, I, I think, uh, Captain Ray, Major LaBelle has referred to you as a, a cyborg. You're so fit. Um, <laughs> I don't uh, know about that. How, but, uh, so how do, you, how do you prepare for that? Yeah, I mean, the candidates out there that, that want to endeavor to to the tab, they know what right looks like. They know what hard work is. They know what you know, they're going to have to do to put themselves in the way of success. Um, 
So it, it's it's not a, it's not science. It's not rocket science. You just got to put in the work. Some people it comes a little easier for, um, and others you know have to have to work a little bit harder. Um, and that's the that's the beauty of of Ranger School. And I don't know if we we didn't really talk about it yet, but when you're at school, there's there's a lot of people from a lot of different demographic, not just culturally, but within the services. They accept candidates from the FBI, the CIA, from the Air Force, from the Army, every, all around. Um, so you get a lot of different exposure and people that bring a lot of different tools to the table. Um, you got strong rangers, and then you got smart rangers. Um, I, I think I was a strong ranger, but <laughs> that's sort of how I played into it. But uh, yeah, back to your original question. Um, you just got to put in the time. You got to sit down and, and draft out, you know, your your ninety day plan um, to to get fit um, and work towards it. Get in the gym. Put your put yourself in uncomfortable positions and and just put the work in all day. You know, working out two a days, three a days. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember the land nav night land nav. Every soldier's worst enemy, with rare exception. I remember that posed uh, some challenges for people. That must be tough to prepare for. You know, I, I think it's one of those things where it really comes down to your core competency with basic land nav skills. That That's probably the biggest thing, is you need to make sure you're sharp on those skills, because if you're not squared away on the core basics of using a compass Right, even the little nuances of like how to set the you know the ring, bezel, yeah. the bezel ring with your iridium and things of that nature, so that yeah. you can have some reference points and knowing how to read a map. And then the other part of it that you know, honestly, I think where most people fail on land nav is they don't do a good plan on how they're going to attack their points. It's like anything else; you need to sit there, put in the time to plan. I think yeah. Ray and I were probably two of the last people up yeah. even at Ranger School for land nav cuz we spent so much time and when we went through land nav it was 13 degrees out. Yeah, it was at, very cold. At Benning it was 13 degrees. Ray and I are out there laying at Fort Benning I shivering. Couldn't feel my fingers. Couldn't feel your fingers, but you can't wear your gloves cuz you're trying to like pencil point as narrow as possible on the map so you get the best azimuth but it's all these little things that you really need to lock in and that's why when ray was saying you have to prepare you have to prepare for this like the reason i think that one of the reasons that i think ray and i were so successful that mario and i were so successful is that we both tried to go to ranger school early in our careers and when we were there we were talking about it i think it took us 22 years collectively before we got a second chance to go yeah. to ranger school. Yeah. And we've thought about that almost probably every day our entire careers. Yeah. And now you're wearing the tabs. Have you seen a shift in the organization trying to get soldiers to ranger school and other schools like air assault, mountain warfare, and things of that nature? Yeah, I, I absolutely have. Having started my career in the National Guard 14, 15 years ago, I've seen a huge shift. When I first tried to go to Ranger School, I, I got laughed. I got laughed at, even though I qualified at an active duty pre-Ranger because I was a logistics officer. You know, it, when when I got in, you had to beg to go to a school, 
and I saw the numbers yesterday of the last three years of schools that we've sent soldiers to and opportunities that we've given to soldiers and airmen, and it's amazing. You'd have goose eggs 15 years ago on some of these stats that I'm about to lay out for the New Hampshire National Guard, and this is a huge testament to where we are organizationally and making ourselves better in terms of getting people to these leadership opportunities and these combat enhancers, these schools. So, you know, Ranger School, me and Ray graduated. We got one more that hopefully is going to graduate in a week. Uh, We've got, I think, 20 to 30 air assault badges in the last three years, 36 mountain warfare badges. We've got one EIB. We've got three master gunner. We've got uh, FA and aviation there. We've got a master repel. We have an airborne uh, qualifier. We've got five pathfinder qualifiers. We've got um, 99 Norwegian rock march bag qualifiers. And we've got, I think, 50 uh, German forces armed proficiency badge qualifiers just in the last three years. That did not exist 15 years ago for this organization. And that's all, with rare exception, New Hampshire National Guard soldiers and airmen. So it's incredible opportunities right now for everyone. And um, they should really, if they want those opportunities, they should make sure that their leadership knows about it and that other people know about it in the organization. Not to skip chain of command, but put it out there. Like if you want to go to these schools, you got to let people know about it and then the bigger part is you got to make sure that you prepare because it's not like with ranger school, you can't just raise your hand and say, I'm going to go to ranger school. You got to try out because it is such a physically and mentally demanding school. So you got to put your hand up, say, I want to go and then get ready for tryouts. Yeah. And for the, um, for the, for those of you out there that are in those leadership positions that are, you know, your soldiers are coming to you with these, with these questions and, and asking for these opportunities need to understand that it's not always about the skills that they're coming back from Rangers, from these schools with, like, you don't always need, um, a load master or somebody who can run a rappel tower or set up a, um, you know, a two rope bridge, three rope bridge. I don't, you don't always need those skills, but what these, what these um, men and women are coming back with is confidence and they're creating a better aura in their organization. They're a better caliber um, soldier. Somebody you as a leader can, can have confidence in and have a, you know, a higher regard and expectation for their product and throughput in the organization. Like Major LaBelle and I happen to be in uh, graduate school together, and, and right now we're in the same class, actually. Um, and we work on a project together, and we kind of know what to expect out of each other's work. Like, I don't, we don't really keep tabs on each other's progress. When one of us say we're going to do something, you can kind of expect it to be done. Um, so I think that's, that's some of the intangible value that these opportunities bring to the organization. Well, there's some people who say that these school seats that have become so common over the past few years serve as a retention piece as well. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you, there's, yeah, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, I look at the recruiting numbers, I get the opportunity to see those. And um, I can tell you that this last year, recruiting re-enlistment-wise was one of our strongest years in the history of the Guard. And if you look at that with the amount of schools and things that people have been able to do, I mean, I think certainly the activation for pandemic support helped too, but there's definitely a huge correlation there. Um, I don't know if I would go as far as to say it's, it's straight causation, but there's definitely a correlation there. And even though you two are officers, obviously, 
those school seats are available to members of, uh, of all uh, military occupational specialties and of all ranks. More so, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, and I do want to crush the, you know, there, there is, I, I know Ray and I have probably both heard this. I know I've heard it talking to some soldiers about some of these opportunities that, oh, well, you only send senior NCOs or you only send officers. That's really not true. I mean, I've seen the numbers. Yeah, Ray and I made it through um, recently, but I think there's a lot of other factors there. But if, you know, if an E3 or an E2 or an E1 makes it through the assessment, they're probably going to get a chance to go to ranger school. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's not, it's it really isn't a rank-driven thing. Um, I think, you know, there, there's, you know, there's just some other other pieces there, like, you know, you're, you're, it's a desire. It's yeah. a desire. Stop making excuses for yourself and get out there. Get to the assessment. Get in front of your platoon sergeant. Get in front of your squad leader, whoever you need to, and put yourself in the way of success. Like, create the opportunity for yourself. Absolutely. You got to want it, like, especially for ranger school. You know, you got to want it every day. Um, yeah, that, that drive never stops from trying to get to the assessment to trying to get to RTAC to trying to get through RTAC, trying to get through RAP week. Like, the want and drive never stops. It just it just keeps building. So, And, I mean, it's true, too. You know, kind of comically, when Ray and I got down there, and this is by no means a brag session. Like, we were fortunate that we made it through. We were fortunate we got to go together other people can do it. We got a guy that's probably going to graduate in the next couple of weeks, God willing, you know, by the grace of God, that'll happen for him too and and his hard work. But, you know, when Ray and I got down there, we looked at each other after like getting smoked for 20 minutes at RTAC. Now we're not even at regular ranger school yet. Like push-ups and set-ups. We're like, we're like at pre-ranger school, you know, we're not even at the real ranger school. (laughs) And we just look at each other because we're both in our thirties. We're both married. We both have kids and we're both pretty comfortable in our careers. And we look at each other. We're like, what are we doing here, man? (laughs) You know, as we're getting just like absolutely crushed by ranger instructors. Yeah. to your point, uh, Major, if I'm not mistaken, I think your significant other said, don't come home without the tab. Yeah, I think both of us, both of our wives were extremely supporting and uh, a ton of props to, to them for, you know, the pandemic struck while we were gone and they're for home sure. with little kids and stuff. And they were both pregnant. It's like crazy. Yeah. Everybody sacrifices. The unit sacrifices, you know, yeah. props to our units for supporting this because they sacrifice with us being gone, the family. Um, so, you know coming back without the tab wasn't really it's not an option wasn't really an option anything you gentlemen want to add before we uh, break just thank you thank you for having us uh i hope that the message isn't that uh captain ray and i are like superheroes or something i, I hope it really is that the opportunity is there for everyone in the organization and all you got to do like captain ray said is want it make it known that you want it and then work hard for it that's the real message that i hope comes out of this podcast is that you got to get there like soldiers, airmen, just put your name forward, work as hard as you can go down make it happen. These are life changing experiences that you have. And it's something that talking to guys that are older, you know, that's something they remember forever. Amen. Major LaBelle, Captain Ray, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to your New Hampshire National Guard podcast.